So staying with the film industry, I go now to David Forbes. Hi, David. Hello, Lindsay. How Hi. are you? Hi. We're talking about the film industry and, of course, the glamour and the glitz of Hollywood. In South Africa, mm. we've, we've got a, 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 a budding industry. Um, but the tale you've got to tell of what goes on in that industry is a little bit sadder than the glamour, the glamour and the glitz that we uh, all uh, witnessed, uh, well, certainly now via Twitter and, and social media, if, even if we didn't watch the actual show. Well, actually, we we have one of the oldest film industries in the world. Um, so, you know, it's extraordinary to look at how South Africa has developed its industry or how it's failed to develop its industry and, and, and how Hollywood, Nollywood, Bollywood have managed to develop theirs into the three largest industries in the world. And, you know, the the reason why it's like that is because the film industry um, suffers from a severe lack of vision, a severe lack of leadership. There is no political will to make it succeed. And, um, you know, as I said in my blog, there's very little humanity in it and um, you know one of the key reasons is this focus on America on Hollywood on the Oscars on you know the the, the colonial imported unique culture that just pervades everything that we do from Coca-Cola to McDonald's to uh Microsoft to Google to Facebook to Hollywood. Wow. Yeah. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I think a lot of people see the film industry as a glamorous industry and they don't realize the unbelievable long hours that people put yeah. in behind the scenes. You know, everyone thinks, oh, being an actor must be so glamorous. Actually, no. It's hurry up and wait. And um, there's yeah. there's an immense amount of work that's done in order to have that one little minute of celluloid. Or, yeah. Or it's, yeah. You know. Um, so go back to your blog. Tell us why you started um, the blog. What what precipitated this particular blog? This blog. Well, um, what precipitated this this blog in particular? Because I'm I'm a writer as well. I'm a former journalist, so I like writing a lot. Um, but what precipitated this was a was a, um, a, a suicide of a director of photography. Um, black, white, aging white male, divorced, um, being sort of kicked in the teeth by the industry, which likes to focus on young, cheaper, less experienced people because they can pay them less. And, uh, you know, um, like a lot of a lot of older uh, film technicians, many of whom are, are incredibly experienced, have worked all around the world, you know, been, have received accolades all all around the world are, are, are actually just being ignored and 
kicked Sideline, out yeah. and um, destroyed because there there is no backup system here as there is in most other places in the world to look after them when they get older or to actually help them to create the kind of systems that they are able to look after themselves. I mean, I I remember working with a with a British director once, and and I was um, I was shooting for him, and he said, uh, you know, he 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 was working, I think, at the time for Channel Four or BBC, and he he said he does two films a year. Now that's all that he needs to do are, are two documentaries a year and he lives really well he can pay all his bills he can save money and everything because he's looked after within that system now in south africa it actually doesn't happen like that you you have to work continuously you have to grab almost every job that you can and whether you like it or not you have to do it it's very difficult to to choose and say no well I don't want to do that job because, you know, it, it's, everything is just so tenuous here. And one of the key reasons is that the broadcasters are not doing what they're meant to do. Lindsay? Yes. You Tell me what they, they're meant to do. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, broadcasters, Broadcasters are the place where uh, independent filmmakers have their product screened, right? So mm-hmm. you have an idea, you have a passion to make a, a particular film, whatever it's on. And, you know, usually in, in many countries around the world, you go to the broadcaster and you can get either a pre-sale, which means that they buy the film from you before it's made. In other words, they they help fund it. Or they commission you, which means that they say, you're going to make this film for us because it fits in with, with, with our sort of plan and we will fund it and we will own it, but you will make it. Or you can do a licensing deal where you make the film on your own, which is an incredibly difficult way to make films, and it's the way I've always made films. I, I own like IP in, uh, well, 95% of the films that I have made, which means that when you own the intellectual property of your own film, you can exploit it all over the world. and. If it's a hit, you'll make a whole lot of money, but as is more likely, um, it won't be a hit, and you won't make a whole lot of money, but at least you'll make a bit. Um, whereas when uh, the broadcaster commissions it, you'd get a set fee, and that's it. That's all that you ever make from but, that film. So mm, mm. the broadcasters in your own country are very key to being able to raise further funding because every 
international funder will ask you, do you have the support of a local broadcaster in your own country? And of course, what has happened in South Africa is that that has not happened. So you always sort of make an excuses and you're saying, no, well, actually, ABC is having a big crisis at the moment and they, they, they actually had to get bailed out by the government and they haven't got money and, you know, and, and, and uh, multi-choice actually does not support documentary filmmaking. So, you know, you, you can't really make a documentary for multi-choice. So that becomes very difficult. And uh, ETV world, you know, ETV hasn't got money and they do most of their documentaries in-house. So there's not really an outlet there. And then but uh, I was know. chatting with uh, Lisa Chiat a while back and she was saying, everyone's talking about the SABC. She says they've got large commissions and it seems that people are, there is money there, but people are creaming it off the top and it's not well, making it down to the crew. And the, the issue you talk of uh, people paying um, younger people less, the junification is happening not only in the South African film industry. Oh, uh, yes. Um, it's... It, it, it's like worldwide trend and 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 the 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 global trend for for funding is that that pot is shrinking rapidly um you know funds are like merging they are getting very sort of targeted at specific kinds of films that they want to see which means that uh independent filmmakers are losing the Ability to be able to make the kind of films that they want to make, that they feel passionate about, that they feel there's a particular story in that area. And so not only is there this juniorization, not only is the pot shrinking, not only is everyone demanding that you make films the way we want to see that film made, otherwise you won't get money. But the most critical thing um, I think for for filmmakers is that you, we are now in a global industry where for a fund which I suppose about four or five years ago one would have to compete against maybe 400 of the best international filmmakers who've applied to that fund because it's well known. So you compete against 400 people for 25 slots in order to pitch your film and there's no guarantee you'll even get money out of that, but you may perhaps get picked up by a broadcaster who may or may not fund your film. So it becomes like, you know, a uh, it's almost like, like gambling. You, you spend all this money trying to pitch, trying to like sell your film and make it look so good and amazing and incredible, compelling, storytelling, cutting edge, whatever. And then, you know, in the end, like what's happening now is you're up against 
over a thousand of the best filmmakers in the world. Mm. And only 20 or 30 of them will be selected to pitch and probably only half of them will get money. So, you know, it's it's just, it's crazy. And it, it it's unsustainable and it cannot go on like this because um, you cannot make a living out of filmmaking anymore. It's getting harder and harder. Unless you are one of the top five or even 2% or maybe maybe it's like the whole economic thing, you know. If you're part of the 1%, you get money. If you're not part of the 1%, you don't get money. You're the 99% who will continue struggling along trying to make your film and uh, just struggling and struggling and struggling. And there's no support if you get ill, if you have an accident, and if you get old, you know, and, and these are things that the broadcasters should be supporting the industry. They ought to be drawing in these older, experienced people who are struggling to find work, and they should be using them as mentors. They should be packing out all that experience and saying, write a, write a handbook, write Write a training course. Mentor some young kids who come in into the industry. But but none of that's happening. Mm. It's tragic. Mm. You started your blog talking about um, the 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 latest um, uh, person who had committed suicide, and that was yeah. Clive. I don't know if it's Sack or Sacky. Sacky. Okay. Yeah. Who was a, a director of photography? Um, yeah. And um, it it creates a, a human. Uh, exactly. profile to what yeah. you're talking about. Uh, a whole yeah. lot of people who um, work incredibly hard, um, often with no medical aid, no pension, no saving, no allowances, no perks. Um, the hours are incredibly long. And um, the truth is that there's there's no room um, for a youngster. It's one thing when you wanted to get your, your name made. But when you're an older person or you've got a family, that's difficult. How are people exactly. supported? How are people supported around the world? Because the idea of paying younger people less is uh, is not unique to this country. No, of course. But um, the, the way they are supported is um, often by unions, which in America and Britain and 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 in France and and Germany and that are, are strong. So. You, and even you know, Australia, because I, I lived and I worked there for three years as well. So I know about that. Um, but there, there are unions, there are pension schemes, there are compulsory deductions that employers are forced to pay. Well, like it is with... with Anyone who, uh, who has a full-time job, you pay a certain amount into your pension and your employer pays a certain amount into it. Mm-hmm. So in like that way, at the end of the day, when, when, when you reach that age when, when you aren't able to work anymore, you have a, a 
quite a large sum of money that you can reinvest or you can use, you know, to to live on. And and this is what what is lacking with the freelance industry. It, there 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 is no support for any of this. And government does not look after you. The NFBS, the National Film and Video Foundation, who's who's Stated objective is to develop and, and, and improve the film industry. Has done nothing in this sphere for the what is it like the 20 years of its existence and since uh, 1995 or 97 when it was established. So you know there there are these huge gaps now. There's another way that you can also do it, which is not unions and it's not government support. Um, there's a way that you can educate filmmakers or independent filmmakers or technicians to start saving early. That's like one way. And then there's this, this other way where you develop the industry in a particular way in which they can, um, in, in which audiences are developed. Now, I cannot tell you how important, Lindsay, it is to develop audiences in this country, and it is not happening. Just, I'll, I'll explain, like, just really briefly how it works. If you make a film for 100 rand, and you then screen that film and you get 100 bums on seats and they each pay one rand, you've made your like money back, right? But you have not made a profit and you haven't made anything to start your next project or to develop or fund your next project. Now, if you make a film for 100 rand and you can then get a 1,000 people to see that film, then you've made a thousand rand. So you've made your money back and you've made profit to live on, to sustain yourself. You've made money to save. You've made money for your next project and you've made money that you can expand and grow and employ people and create employment and do all of these things we need to do. But we are not paying attention here. There is no political will to develop audiences. And I mean, you know, it just goes on and on. I've, I I held the first human rights film festival in a squatter camp, okay? I, I created and ran the Orange Farm Film Festival, and I had a human rights NGO that, that funded that. But it, it, it was very problematic trying to get funds released at the right time and they, they actually didn't understand a, a whole lot of things like how I had to pay for things up front. They, they you know, I, I got, I think, 24 hours to design a poster and <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. Yeah. And so it was very, when we ran it, it was incredibly successful and I had young people coming up to me all the time and saying, look, we live just over the hill there or we live in, in this settlement over there or whatever. Can't you do something like this with us? And of course, it's all there. If, if 
there's a way, but you can't just, I can't spend money that I don't earn running a free festival, um, you know, for, for uh, people in squatter camps or, or townships or whatever, but it ought to be able to be free because you are developing an audience. And one day those young kids will either become filmmakers themselves or they will then uh, become wealthy enough to be able to go and watch a film at, I don't know, like a mall or whatever with their kids. And so you've developed a cinema-going audience that likes to watch films and that likes to see interesting stories from around the world. But we are not doing any of this. Mm. SABC does not have a documentary slot longer than 48 minutes or 52 minutes. So all the feature documentaries, which are all the important documentaries that are made in the world, cannot be screened on SABC. So you see, it's, uh, you know, and then you go to ETV, and ETV has got half hour and slots. So, you know, it's a fleeting attention span thing, and there's no serious engagement with issues and people are not able to be properly educated through watching films. I mean... Mm-hmm. Um, after your blog, Sharon said, um, I've spent 38 years of my life, uh, the health I've lost, the days and nights with my children sacrificed for some delivery deadline yeah. in any other industry would have delivered a tangible piston of either wealth or safety for the years ahead. But in this industry, I remain a hand-to-mouth hired hand. No one cares for the wealth of experience in South Africa. I know. And then John says, um, I've spent 13 years writing for film and TV, working over 80 productions of all kinds on both sides of the camera and having written and directed an award-winning short film which completely failed to make the slightest impression in the local film industry, and I can fully relate. I've worked 16 to 18-hour days on set, done stunts for which I was not compensated and was injured in the process. I've had money I was owed for work on local productions stolen by production staff. I've worked 64 hours over a long weekend, including 24 hours straight, without receiving a single cent in compensation. And I've worked with some of the top people in the world and international industry on major international productions of all kinds. I'm a talented, award-winning scriptwriter. And after all that, I couldn't get a single South African producer to take 10 minutes out of their oh-so-important film industry days to watch my short film. Yeah. Well, you see, Lindsay, the, the, the thing is, the, the thing is that that we we don't respect the creative people. We don't respect a cinematographer for the the art that he puts into mm-hmm. uh, bringing a director's vision alive through mm. images. We don't respect the sound engineer's ability. Yeah, it's a to skill. It's a, certainly a skill. And expertise is important. Um, yeah. You know what John says, it's such a pity because he says now he's given up this and he's now he's left the industry and he's rights full time. He says, I love film and I loved working with other talented, energetic, enthusiastic people. And I was good at what I did. Um, but this industry uh, is certainly in need for good writers, uh, 
but um, he says it's no longer my problem. Yeah, well, you know, I'm 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 60 years old, Lindsay. Yeah, and I I can't get any work either. So, but I've never actually worked like that. I've I've always um, worked as far as I can on my own mm. and alone because I know then that the only person I have to hold responsible is me. Yeah. Um, you, you say if your partner didn't have a full-time job and a medical aid, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, I would have died. I would be dead now. Yeah. Dead man speaking, dead man walking. Only thing is, I'm not dead. I'm still alive mm. and I'm still making films, but on my own terms. And yeah. you know what the yeah. important thing is, Lindsay, is that because I don't rely on the NFBF or the SABC or ETB or multi-choice or whoever for funding or for screening my films or for anything like that, I can speak out. No one else can. They're all trapped by the fear of victimization. They're all trapped by the fear of, well, if I speak out, I won't work again. You know, mm, that, that mm, old saying, mm, you'll mm. never work in this town again, boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that whole thing is so prevalent, that, that fear of speaking up. I mean, I remember once I was, I was working on a commercial and it was a big um, Mercedes-Benz commercial where this, this man, uh, like, a, like a stuntman, walked off a, I think it was a 12 or 14 story building and fell into an airbag, right? And it was like a whole ad for the Mercedes-Benz airbags, right? And uh, so there was this building and of course the, there was a helicopter and about five other camera units and we all had to film from different angles and things and it was of course extremely difficult because this building only had two lifts and one of those lifts had a camera in it halfway up that was locked off so there was only one lift and you know there was an incredible amount of of, of um, trouble going on trying to get people who needed to go up to go up and people who needed to come down to go down whatever and the producer on that ad um, fired uh, one of the junior crew on the spot because he'd been speaking on the walkie-talkie and, and saying, look, we, we're trying to do what, what we can, but we, we have to wait for the list. And I went up to her. I was, I was, I was more senior, and, and, and I was the guy on the boss. And I went up to Esther to this the producer, and I said, listen, you rehire this guy immediately. It's not his fault. You know, this, you, you can't blame him for this. And, you know, to her credit, she rehired him and, and, and like, everything was okay. But, you know, it's just, it, it's just, it's so insecure. And, and no one is allowed to speak up. You, you aren't allowed to voice your grievances. If you do, I, I mean, I started a, a trade union here when I turned 
from Australia in in 1991. I, I started the Camera Guild. I started the South Africa. I helped form the South African Guild of Editors and formed the uh, Art Department Guild, which which failed later, whatever. And you started a trade union, and you know it it really grew and it it did really really well, and it was uh, under the wing of um, the performing arts workers' equity, power, and you know it it did really really well for a year, and then I I I, I said okay, so now we need a new leader of of this union because I don't want to be just the guy who runs the union. I I want to make more films, and so you know and just. What what happened was unbelievable. The producers screwed me. They refused to to hire me. So I I lost loads loads of work. Then the the technicians didn't understand, you know, quite what the bargaining process was about. That one has to give and take. That we have to give a little bit there and get a little bit over there. So they kicked me in the teeth. I mean, one of them actually threatened my life. And then like unions stabbed me in the back because they wanted to get hold of our money. <laughs> and we were saying, no, no, this is for the phones and the technicians. It's not for you to plunder. It's for us. And, you know, and then I just said, you know, I have to make a living. And I got out of I just walked away from everything and I just left everything and I focused on, on, on my career. And yeah. you know, it it just shows you 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 can't do anything without being victimized. And mm. and whether it's cloudy or whether it's uh not passed with the controlling entity at at, at multi choice. And I mean, you know, people in the industry talk. They complaints about everyone. People bitch a lot and they moan and they whine and and you know, sure, a lot of it's rubbish, but there's also a lot of truth. And I mean, you can just see in the comments on the blog how many people said, you know, you finally said what what we've been going on about for a long time, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it's well, public knowledge, John, you know, uh, uh, in the industry. David, thank you for uh, sharing um, the parts of your blog that you've done on air tonight mm-hmm. and I think it's sure. important for me people to know that it's not all glam and um, nice frocks and award ceremonies <laughs> thank no, you for that it certainly isn't it's, it's, it's a very hard hard industry and you know people who want to get into the creative side need to think very hard about how they will make a living Yep. You know, because in the end, it comes back to money. Thanks, Economics. David. Thanks for your sure. thanks for your thanks time. I appreciate you. that. Okay.